Cordy Company, we're the design build people. 90% of our work is design build, the delivery method that keeps everyone under the same roof. Single source responsibility means you work with a skilled team that brings innovative solutions and added value to every phase of the job. To learn more, go to Cordico.com. That's K-O-R-T-E-C-O.com. Welcome to Build St. Louis, the new regional podcast that captures and shares the very heartbeat of construction and development. I'm your host, Carrie Smith of Information Works, and in this episode, we're really looking forward to a solid conversation with Ron O'Connor, owner of St. Louis-based O'Connor and Partners, a branding and rebranding integrated marketing communications firm that specializes in PR, reputation and issues management, and crisis communications and more. Ron is a dear friend of mine and longtime colleague, and he has represented many high-profile clients through the years, several of them from the Architecture, Engineering, and Construction, or AEC, industry space. And Ron joins us today to shed light on how to do reputation management wisely and effectively within the built environment. Ron, it's such a pleasure to have you here today on Build St. Louis. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for asking. Good to see you today. It's great to see you too. Let's dive right into our topic because I know I've given you certainly one of your longtime specialty areas, but a big topic for this episode. So I look forward to more conversations on it as well. But let's start out, Ron, if you could define for those of us listening, what is reputation management? How would you define it for those of us that aren't that familiar with what it is? I think we, we need to start by thinking about what a reputation really is. And for professional individuals and for firms and companies, a reputation really is an asset. If it's an asset, we need to manage it just the way we would manage any other asset, real estate asset, human assets, talent. We need to have a plan. We need to understand where we are, have a plan to achieve whatever goal we want to set and then follow through on it on a regular basis. I think of reputation management as a more relaxed form of brand management. I think the two have similar goals, many times have similar goals, but they are significantly different in timeline and action steps. Reputation, yeah. after all, I'm sorry. No, go right ahead. I was going to say, is reputation management what we used to think of as crisis communication, or is it not necessarily? Is it more positive or proactive than but a crisis I think it has to be more proactive and more long-term. I think of reputation management as a program that would last over three or four or five generations, knock on wood, five generations, long-term for a company or for an individual firm. I think of brand management as something that happens maybe for a couple of quarters or for a couple of years. Brand management is more short-term, more sharply focused, more, and it offers the opportunity for an unbelievable number of criteria and goals. With product, product management, yeah, typically yeah. we're on a short timeline to move that product or to introduce that product. A brand plan is similar to crisis communications, more so than in reputation management. That makes sense to me. Is reputation management, that being said, and brand management, when we're talking about the AEC or architecture, engineering, and construction industry, is it does it have different tentacles and different goals and ramifications than just for, you know, a retailer or other industries? 
I think it does. I think brand management for an AEC firm needs to manage the reputation of the organization as a whole or every office. Perhaps a firm has an office in Kansas City and in St. Louis. That brand, the reputation plan needs to take care of all of the Midwest or wherever the markets are. Meanwhile, that same AE firm may have a specialty in yellow buildings. So we would need a brand management program for yellow buildings or healthcare or whatever segment of the industry. The AEC industries are they're involved with. The media would be different. The message would be different. But it would all lead to the same goal of building a positive reputation, enhancing the value of the firm of the counselor. I'm sure this has always been important and something that a design or construction firm or engineering firm should be on top of, but has it over time become, I guess, have companies in the AEC sector recognized the value of it more so than they did maybe 20, 30 years ago? Would they tend to be more reactive, in, like as we mentioned, in a crisis situation? Are they more on top of that management ahead of time than they used to be? The AEC firms many times follow the guidance of your favorite physician. Your physician will tell you first, do no harm. And AEC firms have been, I hate to use the word conservative, but have been very careful in listening to the market and listening to the customers and moving at a rather slow pace. Did I say that in a positive way? You did. In a realistic way, I think. I feel like, you know, as a journalist, when we're hearing their messaging, that they seem, it's just a generalization, but they seem more on message. They seem to have more of a reputation digitally. When I go to their website before I ever speak to their spokesperson and learn from them, they seem like they're pushing out things, as it were, more so than they used to. Yes, I agree. And I would add a thought to that. That is that uh, most managers in AEC firms think of themselves as professional managers. And as professionals, they have to demonstrate competence and carefulness and a certain passion for the business. Those three things tend to make sure that you first do no harm. Sure. You know, these topics we're talking about, brand management, reputation management, believe it or not, as journalists, all the way through four years of school, I had one marketing class and it was about how many words you could put on a billboard. (laughs) I still remember that because I thought, really, this is all we're going to learn about marketing. But, you know, I wonder, so in my head, I'm just going to ask the question because other listeners may be wondering, you know, if you picture sort of concentric circles, does a circle of PR overlap with the circle of reputation management? Are they two separate things? things like where, you know, the specialties that you have handled for clients all these years, how related are those different things? I think all of the different communications overlap, whether it's a crisis communication situation or whether it's a new product introduction or whether it's introducing a new senior manager in an AEC firm, they all overlap. comes down to the basic question of how can we communicate in a credible, believable way? And how can we enhance our position in the marketplace? Maybe that's a caustic way to think of it. But even as managers, as senior managers of professional service firms in the AEC industries, they need to be concerned about presenting themselves as a credible, believable source, trustworthy, loyal, and brave. Everybody has to be a good scout. First, do no harm. Did we say that often enough, right? 
<laughs> yeah, no, I'm going to make a note of that. So no, that makes a lot of sense to me. You know, in terms of the face of the organization, and this may be just a question that the response depends on the company, the situation, the brand plan, but who should be the face or faces of the messaging? And you'll feel free to split it into multiple categories, Ron, if it's reputation management after an incident, if it's just general brand management and messaging long term, but who are we looking to and how many faces should a company have? that are dispensing the messaging that the public hears? Well, I think it depends on the size of the company and the kind of product or service that they offer. For most AEC firms, the spokesperson probably should be the number three person in the organization, never number one, hardly ever number two. One of the commandments, I think, informal commandments of crisis communications is that the train will go off the tracks sooner or later. We will have a surprise. It will not be a pleasant surprise. We do everything we can to prepare for it surprise, all the safety planning and such. But there are so many things like that other truck, somebody else's van, somebody else's train we have no control over. So we need to be prepared for that. When we have a surprise like that, we need to make sure that the president or CEO is held back so that a junior person can be the face, not a junior, but this, this third level person can be the face and the voice of the organization. Then if policies change, the next level up and change the policy and be very credible in doing so. Doesn't mean that third level person isn't a good spokesperson. Just means the issue has changed modestly, the change, and we therefore need a different person to handle the communications. Oh, I think that's fascinating. I was really intrigued, as I think our listeners probably were, why you said the third person. And I wondered, my first thought was we were keeping the top people, you know, away from the messaging. But I see what that makes total sense. What you're saying is that messaging could well evolve over the course of that situation. As a general rule, the person we start with should be the person that we go all the way through with. As a general rule, the general rule doesn't work. As the situation changes, what we thought might have been a blue problem could easily turn into a yellow problem requiring a different third-level spokesperson. It then if we learn that the problem was both blue and yellow, then at that point we can bring out the CEO or the president and assure and whose job would be to assure everybody, employees, customers, prospective employees, that we understand the situation, we've got our hands around it. We may not have a perfect answer for you today, but we're working on it. You're in good hands. Trust us. Trust is so important. Now, one of the changes that we all have to deal with in whatever business we're in is that the attitude of American adults has changed tremendously since the COVID situation. As a general rule, adults in America no longer trust other people, especially other people offering a service or product. We now have to spend more time as somebody who offers an AEC product or service, I think I spend more time building trust among the prospective customers than we do in really communicating facts. Facts are not as important as trust. Facts can build trust, but trust trumps all. That makes sense. That makes sense. And, you know, God forbid there is fatality on a job site or a embezzlement that comes to light or some huge, you know, breaking news event. Does that change in terms of what you just said with the hierarchy of the spokespeople? Or do we, again, we start with someone who is sort of that third to the top? Because I would think, like you said before, no matter what the issue or the event is, crisis or not, that may morph at a more quickly rate. The one rule of thumb that I've 
convinced myself to follow for 30 years is that when there is a death or there is whatever the situation, when there is a death, an employee or not, we have to go straight to the top, to the CEO or president. And that, whenever there is a death, go to the top. Yeah, you start that, with that person. You would start, start with, with the, the CEO. CEO. Okay. Exactly right. Okay. Maybe that's a cold way to look at other employees, but there's no employee as critical to the organization as the president and CEO. And we have to tell folks that we understand that and that everybody in the organization is concerned. Makes sense. Another question, another question I get many times from people is, what about saying no comment? No I was comment. just going to ask you about that. <laughs> Do you have a really? comment on that, Ron, or are you going to give me no comment? No, great question. Great question. I started, I started in the communication business as a reporter, and <laughs> that answer is so often. The answer is, would you tell your spouse or a significant other no comment when they ask you a question? And I don't think most people would. I think most people would feel an obligation to respond. We may not have the answer to a question that we're asked either by a trade reporter or general consumer, business consumer reporter. We may not have the answer, but we cannot just say no comment. We're better off to say we're reviewing all of, all of this information, pulling together information that we hadn't had. The situation seems to be changing on a six every six hours or every 12 hours or on a regular basis. And as soon as we're comfortable and confident of the answer, I'll have it for you. Right now, I'm just not prepared to answer the question. And that's an interest. I'm not prepared is a nice way to say it. Suggest we never say, I can't answer that question. What does that mean? I can't answer the question. Does that mean that the big seven-foot giant behind me has, has, has a stick to my head? No, it doesn't mean I'm afraid to answer it. It just has so many meetings. Better off to say, I'm not prepared right now to answer that question. I'll get back to you in 10 minutes, but I can't do it now. That sounds great. It makes me think of a lot of these law enforcement-related press conferences or press conferences, you know, God forbid, after a shooting incident, I feel like law enforcement maybe in many ways could be teachers of crisis communication because it seems like they live that when it's a high profile event, sadly. And I think they practice too. My experience is that they practice. They don't wait until the actual situation is here. They've done exercises. They know what other people are going to do. They can plan for that. And that's one of the things that an AEC company should be doing is practicing, is having it, developing a crisis communications plan as to what we would communicate in this situation, in different situations, and how we would communicate it, and when we would communicate it, and who would communicate it. Sure. Having even if it's just a general outline with no sentences, just words and phrases and clauses, but have uh, specific responsibilities and timelines ready to give us a strategy to proceed. Strategy might be very simple. Strategy might be one. Tell the truth. Two, do it quickly. Three, get more information. Or maybe it's get as much information as possible and then tell the truth. That has to be very tough. Well, all of us have seen, you know, stories certainly on broadcast stations and through digital media where there is a crisis. And, you know, as reporters, I think we say that we, if we're good journalists about it, we say that we did reach out to a source rather than there was just no comment. But I think it has to be a race against the clock just with legal as well, right? Just whoever is, whoever is pouring into that message that's being disseminated. Yes, and you raise a good point. When a, an AEC firm develops that communications plan, crisis communications plan, they need to think about including legal counsel. They may not always have to include legal counsel, may not always want to include legal counsel, but it's the person who needs to be on the team. Another thought is that that plan, no matter how extensive or thick the plan is, somebody at a senior level needs to review the plan once a year. Set a time, whether it's the end of the fourth quarter or the end of the first quarter, but set a time and go over the plan. 
every year. People will be surprised at how many things will change in a year, how many trade editors will change, how many trade contacts or how many consumer contact will change in just a year. Wow, that's a great point. I don't know if you can, this is on my list of starter questions, but I don't know if you can share very generically any kind of examples of maybe one example of, doesn't even have to be in the AEC industry, but one example maybe of best practice, if you would, of how you handled reputation management and or crisis communication in a client's situation and another one where maybe it kind of got off the track and how you all brought it back. That's a really rambling question. I apologize. And I don't know if you can speak to generically to any examples, just again, kind of shed some light on what people, what that looks like, or you could feel free to just share a drill. I'm thinking of like a hazmat team that has those emergency drills, maybe an example of a type of drill, you know, that you walked through with a company and maybe the kind of, if there's any additional principles or tips that came out of that, just to kind of flesh it out. Several years ago, we represented an environmental protection organization. This was not in St. Louis. Um, there was an accident at a manufacturing facility that released a range of air pollution, range of types of air pollution, was impacting the water quality. It was not a good situation. It was in a major market. The lesson I learned in that case was to 12-hour shifts with the communications people so that there was always a communications person answering the call or answering the email so that there could be no delay in responding to especially social media now and, and broadcast media. The 12-hour shift for each of two people was as many times the best answer in the world. More recently, we represented a hospitality organization that had an RV park. The RV park was devastated by high winds, by storm. Again, it was 3 a.m. on a Sunday. Every, the only people who were around were media people, people wanting to do something on social media. So again, having that overnight person was so helpful. Even if typically the company involved doesn't have a second or third shift, even if it's not a 24-7 operation, crisis communications people need to think about having two people for every one job during the crisis. Wow, that really is a, a great example. And I know I learned from a webinar a few years back about that 24-7 cycle and not just that, but it seems like the whole social media with perhaps less than informed consumers being able to weigh in with opinions on something that's an evolving crisis. That seems like that whole leg of social media and managing that throughout a crisis has to be a weighty responsibility. And a part of that, too, is that even the social media folks now have access to our, how do I say, airborne photographs. Excuse me. Mm. At one point, we could close the door on a plant or close the gate on a plant, and there would be no access. Now, most of the media and most of the social media folks have an airborne camera that they can watch to get into this property. That, I think, complicates the whole crisis communications challenge. Definitely. I hadn't even thought of that with the drone coverage, I'm sure. Well, gosh, this I could talk to you all day long. This is super interesting. And I hope that people who are listening, whether you're an employee or an owner or perhaps a messaging firm, that you pick up some tips today. I know I have. Anything in closing that we didn't talk about, Ron? I, you did an excellent job of taking a huge subject and compiling it and distilling it into this session. You know, maybe another word for reputation management is heritage. Reputation management is very simple if we think about how do we want to put our best foot forward and what do we want people to remember. People won't necessarily remember the most frequent message they've heard, but they'll remember the most trustworthy, accurate message that they've heard. And that's where AEC firms especially need to be, is in that area of trustworthiness. <laughs>
Oh, yeah, I can't imagine. And just not for just current clients, but I would think the communities in which they design and build, too, because that would be a reflection of who they are. And managing the reputation also facilitates recruiting and hiring Mm. the best people, the people you really want on your team. Absolutely. And we know nobody, especially in the construction industry, has enough good people. So that's an excellent point. Dash, this has been wonderful. In this episode of Build St. Louis, we've been talking with Ron O'Connor, owner of St. Louis-based O'Connor and Partners, and branding, rebranding, integrated marketing, communications, PR, reputation and issues management, and crisis communication, and someone who is frequently on the other end of a phone call asking for any of those things. And Ron, just really appreciate you being with us today and learning us something. Thank you. Come back soon. You too. I will. I will. Thank you. (laughs) Good. Thank you. Barbara Murphy is one of the top commercial real estate brokerage firms in the Southern Illinois and St. Louis region. With more than 500 active listings, it's the go-to firm for anyone seeking to buy, sell, lease, or invest. With a unique transactional focus, Barbara Murphy offers you a conflict-free experience as your trusted advisor. Contact Barbara Murphy today at barbaramurphy.com for expertise and assistance with your next real estate transaction.